Just a little disclaimer to all our listeners out there. This episode is a special episode. We're going to talk about the game and the matchup this week between Ohio State and Michigan. There are a few swear words in here. So if you got some kids listening, this is your warning right now. There's not too many, but just want to give that disclaimer. So listener discretion is advised. So just want to be up front. Uh, I would say it's right around the five, six, seven mark. Nothing too, nothing too bad, but... You know, just wanted to give that this disclaimer before we get started. But this is a great episode. Can't wait to get into this one. Hope you enjoy it. Across the Field Podcast is brought to you by Store Shine Detailing, TNT Springer Landscaping, Sin Rock Engraving, Sisters Embroidery and More, Antoine Automotive, Pucker Brush Pizza, and the Vaughn Co. Across the field, got a full panel tonight. Double B, PB, Brady, Coach Jerome, and the Colby Cheese guys. How are we doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. Finally here. The week calls. Let's go. Peyton, how's it been? I ain't talked to you in a while. Good. Life's life's been been going fast. Let's just say that. Yeah. How's the basketball going? Fun. It's really fun. Season's gonna be here before you know it. Yeah. Two weeks. December 1st, whatever that is. Week and a half. Week and a half. All right. So we'll talk about that some other time. But tonight we're here to talk about the game. And I just want to open it up to everybody and, and give their thoughts a little bit about the Buckeyes this season. What do you guys think? And Brian, you want to go ahead and get started? <laughs> Sure. So, uh, <laughs> Mr. I, I, figured three. Start with me. I figured you start with me because my, uh, my preseason nine and three prediction. Um, <laughs> although I, I think, I think you have to admit, uh, even though I, as wrong as I was, uh, I think if this defense didn't make the turnaround that it has made thus far, um, I don't think nine and three would have been out of the question. Pleasantly surprised. I, you know, of course, um, but uh, you know, there's we got to be playing our best ball right now, and the biggest one of them all is coming up. Um, and I'm excited for it. Should be a really good game. Yeah, Colby, what do you think? How, how's the season been so far? Uh, I think it's been good. It's been like a quiet one. Um, I guess other than Marvin, um, the casual fan probably has no clue who any person is this year. Um, like the defense has just stepped up. The offense hasn't done anything great other than Marvin so I think it's just a casual great year and I just think there's so much in the bag for this week and that offensive playbook that's gonna be awesome to see it's gonna be Ryan Day Georgia last year I feel like been waiting for that um just it's been a roller coaster uh the Notre Dame game um the going down to the last play of the game uh chip train them the injuries that we've battled this year, Mecca's been out, Trey's been out. Uh, the offensive line's still skeptical as hell. Um, but uh, other than that, the defense, Jim Knowles, that de- the, listen back to the preseason podcast, and we were on Jim Knowles' case. Well, year two, the guys are playing faster. I mean, it's another year experience. That secondary is really, really good. Uh, so it's just been a roller coaster this season. 
Yeah, I think in thinking back to that episode we did before the season, we were all kind of wrong. Um, even I think Brett and Peyton were a little more optimistic than what uh, Ryan and Corbin and I were. Um, but it's just been a different way of having success this year that we didn't really see coming uh, compared to the Ryan Day teams that we've seen in the past. I'm still a little skeptical of this team. I just don't – I still have this fear that maybe Notre Dame isn't that good, maybe Penn State wasn't that good, so maybe Ohio State really hasn't played anyone that great, and the 11-0 is a little bit deceiving, but um, we're going to find out here in just a few days. You know, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm like Ryan. And, Ryan, you make a good point. I think, uh, you know, if the defense didn't have this turnaround, I think you were – you're probably in the ballpark there at nine and three, so don't want to discredit you too much. But uh, I'm glad we're sitting eleven and zero here, heading into the game. Most definitely. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the game, and and guys, let's talk about the opponent a little bit coming up on Saturday. Um, Colby, I'll start with you. What's been the uh, Biggest takeaway from the Michigan Wolverines this year and maybe all the off the field stuff if you want to comment on that. Yeah, I mean, at first, I, the, under the cheating scandal first, um, I thought it wasn't a very big deal at first. And then more I thought about it, like if I'm an offensive coordinator and I know what the defense is running, I'm running a 75-yard touchdown run just like Michigan did last year. So I hope we beat the shit out of them this year just to prove a point the last, last two years. Um, now, I do think this is the worst Michigan team that it has been in before. Um, their line's not as good as they are. McCarthy sucks. I mean, he's an average quarterback that played trash teams. Um, but the running backs are still the running backs. So that's where we have stopped it. But I think we line up in man coverage and tell them to beat us deep. But I think we come out of Ann Arbor with a very, very close victory this week. I won't get into the, the, the scandal stuff. I You guys had me on a couple weeks ago, and we talked a little bit about that. Um, I'll get more into, you know, the specifics of Michigan. Um, watching them from start to finish this year, um, they were impressive early on. Um, at times thought maybe they could be the best team in the country, but then here over the last few weeks, um, they've looked a lot more vulnerable, a lot more beatable. Um, it's amazing. I'm going to agree with Colby on the McCarthy thing. It's amazing how Michigan was able to hide how average he is. I, I really think he's an average college quarterback and, I think, you know, last year having a very good offensive line and an elite rushing attack, and then this year, you know, um, the rushing attack hasn't been near as good as what it was last year statistically, although still very good players. Um, The offense doesn't worry me as much um, as if you would have asked me the same question a month ago. Um, I think my main concern is the interior of their defensive line. They have three really good tackles, and – I, I think the game could be decided right there when when our offense has the ball, you know, our two guards and center uh, versus those when they'll have two tackles on the field at a time. Um, if they're wreaking havoc, I think we're in trouble. If we're, you know, standing our ground, um, I think we're going to have t- time to, you know, get the ball to our athletes. And, um, you know, if we're getting out on the edge, Marv and Booker getting involved, 
um, Stover, you know, getting down the seam. Um, if Travion's hitting a couple big ones, um, I, I, I think we're in really good shape. Um, very good team. And as Colby said, I, I do think this is going to be a down to the wire type game. Um, but, but looking forward to it. And I think, uh, it'll, I think there's more anticipation uh, and I'm sure this is a later topic that I don't need to go too deep into, but I don't, I can't remember more anticipation for a game just you know not really sure what it's going to look like and, and that's just for me maybe you guys feel differently uh but i the game i think back to is is not even a michigan game it's the the alabama sugar bowl um like that's as much anticipation as i have for this just like i said not really knowing what this is going to look like what to expect did the was the sign stealing how much did that help them i you know as a coach and you know like colby said if you know what the other team's doing it, it makes things a lot easier but um i'm just really curious to see what this looks like on saturday doctor pb what do you got <laughs> well i think that ryan's right about the interior of their defensive line i mean kenneth grant chris jenkins they got a couple other guys on the interior that are so good when just looking at Michigan's body of work this year, I still – I've said this last year, the year before, and I'll say it again. They are no threat to me to win a national championship. I don't think they're built for that. I don't think they're that kind of team. However, what they are built for is winning the Big Ten and beating Ohio State. It certainly appears that way. And I know that they've struggled the last two weeks and they haven't looked great, but I still question – will Ohio State be able to stop the run? Because, you know, as good as the defense has been, we've seen Ohio State's defense the past two years show flashes. And this Michigan running attack that they're going to see is just a different animal, and it's a different level of physicality, and it's in Ann Arbor. So I think Michigan has a lot of reason to be very confident going into uh, this weekend. And this is where I'm going to disagree with you, Brady. I People say I'm an over-optimistic Buckeye fan, but I don't think that's the case in this scenario. J.J. McCarthy is Shea Patterson, Jake Rudock. I mean, like, prove me, like, that's who he is. He's nothing special in the Jim Harbaugh era. Um, the offensive line, they got banged up last week at Maryland. They had their first real test against a passing threat. Penn State's passing game is not even average. They're terrible. So they had their first real threat. Uh, Maryland had a lot of chunk plays against them. I mean, two defensive scores by Michigan, that ball game is different. <clears throat> so, and then f for the Buckeyes, I think, you know, we're designed just like Michigan was designed two years ago to beat, to win the Big Ten the past two years. Good defense and a run game. And Ohio State's got that shirt up on that defensive side of the football. I, I trust that Michael Hall Jr. is back, Tyleek. That front seven is just going to create havoc against – a banged-up Michigan offensive line. Peyton, I like the uh, – defend a little bit the uh, J.J. McCarthy comparison to those guys you mentioned. Uh, I mean, seriously, what 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 has he done that says he can go win a national championship? Nothing. Like, he is nothing special. And, and Brady's right. They – you know, I'll give them credit for, for going on the road and winning that Penn State game. Um, it's not easy to run the ball – what was it 32 straight plays um, and have the success that they did. 
But I think that also says something about maybe the confidence in your quarterback. I understand there's an there's an arrogance to to call and plays and run the ball, saying you know you're running it, we know we're running it, try and stop it. I, I get I get all that. Um, but like Brady said, they're built to beat Ohio State. They're not going to win a national championship like that. Um, you just you just can't do it in today's game. Um, Ten years ago, prob- they could they could probably do it that way. Um, but you know, more specifically on McCarthy, I mean, if you're only throwing seven eight passes a game, I understand your running attack is what you live on, but like that just that just shows to, to me it's just a lack of confidence. Maybe not a lack so much a lack of confidence as the fact that they those coaches that Michigan coaching staff they know what he is. And like I said, credit to them for hiding it as long as they did. Yeah, and I've never been a J.J. McCarthy guy. I really haven't. Even last year in that game against Ohio State, he was 12 of 24. He only completed 50% of his passes. He got very lucky, and he was awful in that game until they scored. I think it was their first touchdown when Ohio State ran a zero blitz and Cam Brown missed a tackle that led to a touchdown. That let him settle in in that game. Before that, he was not good. And then in the college football playoff, he had a couple bad turnovers. And then he's just been average this year. So I am not a J.J. McCarthy guy. I don't think he will be the reason that Michigan goes out and potentially beats Ohio State by any means. However, even with saying that, I mean, you can flip it right on its head, and I'm sure we'll get into this more. Um, You know, how good is Kyle McCord? And – talking about the Maryland game last week. I mean, Maryland was able to get some chunk plays on the Michigan defense. I agree. But are we sure Kyle McCord's even better than uh, Tugavailoa from Maryland? I mean, I think I have that question. And J.J. McCarthy, I don't think he's good at all. But he still might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten, which is sad. So so you might not – I don't necessarily think you're wrong there, Brady. But what I would say – is Kyle McCord, I don't think, has to be better than right. – like, because I think I think just being a distributor, I think he clearly has the better weapons <clears throat> around him. Mm-hmm. So, so, no, what, I don't think we'd know if he's really better than McCarthy or even Tungavailoa, but, um, you know, if we're just trying to win the game, I don't know that he has to be. If he can just be a distributor and take care of the football – you know, that's that's really all we ask him to do. We don't ask him to do the things we asked, you know, Justin Fields and CJ Stroud to do. So yeah. um but that's not to say, you know, again, I don't I don't think you're wrong in your assessment of him either. And remember for like the average listeners, Ryan Day had a pick between JJ McCarthy or Kyle McCord when these two were getting recruited. And I don't think there's a right decision, actually, out of the, the two. Yeah. Colby, you got anything? No, I mean, it could end up being like this Saturday where Michigan's defense line just makes Kyle McCord throw the ball 35 times. And I don't know if, as a Buckeye fan if we want that or not against Michigan. But I don't know. Like, Kyle definitely isn't the best quarterback in the Big Ten, but he does his job. He gets, does what he's supposed to do. When, and when you're throwing to, like, Marvin, um, it's a pretty easy game sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so I guess the counter off of that, we, you guys kind of touched on it already, but what kind of game do we expect from Kyle McCord? Ooh. Anybody can start on this. 
if Ohio State wants to win, he can't turn the ball over. One turnover is too many, in my opinion, up there. I, I think he just has to take care of the football. Like Ryan has mentioned and kind of what he's done this year, he doesn't have to do anything extravagant or that's going to blow you away. He just has to take care of the football. And I think that a lot of times when you talk about, you know, big games, uh, you talk about third down offense and defense. I think first down offense is going to be really big in this game just because we've seen Ohio State run and be so run heavy on first down. I just don't see that working against Michigan. So I think McCord's going to have to go out there and make some throws, you know, in situations that he hasn't been in a lot this year. You know, first and 10, he's going to have to make some quick throws on time and on target for six, seven yards to keep Ohio State ahead of the chains. But like I said, the biggest thing for me from Kyle McCord, he cannot turn the ball over. High of 37, or was it 37 and five mile per hour wind on Saturday in Ann Arbor. So that's got to be in the Buckeyes' favorite. That's a little different than two years ago up there. So I think the advantage in the passing game will be for the Buckeyes. But yeah. I'm curious to see, as far as McCord's play, I'm curious to see what. Ryan Day and Brian Hartline have schemed up to, I don't want to say simplify the game, like as if, you know, he's a weak link, but I mean, just to, to scheme guys open, make easy throws for him, especially early on. Uh, typically, yeah, I feel like in Ryan Day, and since Ryan Day has been our coach, I feel like a lot of times the first series is one of his better ones of the game. Just, you know, I don't know if it's scripted or not, but that's, he comes out with, you know, some pretty good stuff, I think, usually to start the game. So I'm curious to see what he has dialed up to to kind of get McCord into a rhythm. Uh, I think back to 2018 when the last time we were an underdog in this game um, and they just turned Dwayne Haskins loose with all those shifty receivers we had like K.J. Hill and Chris Salave and Paris Campbell. And we just hit them, you know, mesh after mesh, you know, all those crossing routes and – it was just it was just catch and throw and and Dwayne just picked him apart. So in a, and before that game, I don't know if we really knew not to this extent because that was more of a passing team, but I don't know if we expected that kind of game out of Dwayne Haskins. So um if I'm gonna take PB's approach here and be an the 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 optimist, um perhaps this is the, the kind of coming out part of, similar to what uh to what Dwayne Haskins had. I feel like there's going to be a lot of Cade Stover early. I mean, we've seen all year that Cade Stover has been a safety valve for Kyle McCord. So maybe get him involved in the offense, get him a couple touches early. Look at the defensive side, guys. I mean, we, we've seen the vast improvement over the year um, this season so far. So I guess I want to get your guys' opinion on, you know, what what's – the game plan going up there, uh, what does Jim Knowles do differently? Um, is it more just the guys we have playing now, or is it more of a schematic thing? I think it's the approach, like the, the or philosophy, like yeah, less aggressive, keep it in front, be patient, let the offense make the mistake. Don't don't try to force something and then we end up making the mistake. You know what I mean? Like the Michigan class. Yeah, yeah. Make them beat us now i think that's a i think it's a great philosophy for what we've done you know these first 11 games i kind of feel like if anybody's 
patient enough and willing to to take their time down the field it's it's michigan so i'm curious and i'm sure i I don't doubt jim Knowles is smart enough to realize that so i'm curious to see what kind of wrinkles he has to you know keep the same philosophy but not completely play right into their hands um i think he's going to pick his spots know when to when to come after him um but i i expect to see you know what we've seen most of the year um that that's going to be a really fascinating chess match, especially early on. So I think we're going to see, you know, how both teams want to play this thing. Yeah. I, I think defensively we're going to see, well, I kind of like what Ryan said. I don't think we're going to see a lot of blitz dialed up. I, I really think it's going to be just kind of a game of patience and hopefully forcing third down. And then you force JJ McCarthy to make some throws with that though you're relying on your front seven to stop the run and we've talked about him a lot this year i think they were better last week even without tommy eichenberg but the linebackers are going to have to be fantastic um cody simon i thought has played really well the last month or so um steel chambers even looked okay last saturday i expect tommy eichenberg to be back and good to go along with you know josh proctor and sunny styles coming down but those guys are going to have to play their best game of the year because you have, I mean, that's what you have to make the game. If it's third and one and third and two all game for Michigan, the Buckeyes are going to have a hard time winning that game. But if it's third and seven, third and eight, uh, the Buckeyes are going to be right there. Um, yeah, no, I'll just say, I feel, I mean, I'm cl- clearly some of our defense line has been out, but I think our DNs are going to be a big factor in this. I mean, Jack Sawyer might be playing, the best football he's ever played in his life right now. Um, and Michigan's right tackle, I'm pretty sure. Um, I was told, and I watched a little bit about it, radio down here is like a revolving door last week for him. So um, I think that could be the biggest biggest matchup defensively that is in the Buckeyes' favor is those ends, and just hopefully we can just get back in the backfield. Their tackles seem to be the weak spot on the offensive yep. line this year. I think, and like Penn State, I know they lost, but Penn State has some success, especially on you know obvious passing downs, of of getting after McCarthy. Um, yeah, I think their DN, there's a D, defensive ends. I don't want to say faster or quicker. They, I think they, kind of get there a little quicker than ours. I think ours are more kind of that power, that bull rush type approach. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, we'll see. That I think that I think that can be a favorable matchup for us. Another matchup I think is, I think our, our DBs are just dudes. Like Michigan's going to have a tough time in the passing game. Like I, I feel very comfortable not doing it much, but like if we have to go cover zero, I feel way more comfortable this year than I do last year. Okay. But uh, I'm going to turn the conversation real quick. How are, how often are we going to force them into passing situations? That's the difference in the game. Like Brady's right. saying first and second down is getting them into third and long instead of third and two. Right. Well, because I, if it's third and two, third and three, our DBs are going to be a non-factor. Right. I don't disagree with I don't disagree with you that we have the advantage out there, Peyton. I just that's I think my biggest concern when Michigan has the ball is are we are we just letting them are we just giving them four or five yards a pop? I I I have confidence that we could stop the run this year and our front seven can get them into passing situations. I don't know. I just last past couple of years, you were still iffy on that front seven. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know what you think. What's your confidence in our front seven this year? And my confidence? Yeah. Do you feel uh, like you probably the most? Probably the most it's been since nineteen. Uh, that nineteen. I would say, yeah, probably. Um, I'm probably more confident in this group than I am the COVID year with uh, oh. those two. Um, Tommy Togia and Garrett. I, that was. I mean. That but that defense wasn't good, but those guys, those two in the middle, got after it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would say probably this is the most confident I've been since nineteen. Problem is, none of them are game wreckers like Chase Young was, and I I, I think that could be if we had somebody like that, this would be the year for it. But yeah, um, but you can also make that up with way better. I mean, I, I feel like the linebacker play is better than that. The whole defense is way more well rounded than it has. Yeah, before. yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I, there's I, no I superstar though. Like, like there's no superstar in our defense. You know, there's not. Do you see us coming out with with the way Cody Simon's been playing three linebackers? Maybe in run favor rule down. Maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're not going to change it. Double, if they're double tight, but I don't think you. I don't think it's getting away this. too much from what we've done all year. Maybe yeah. it's a wrinkle. Do you guys think that Michigan will showcase Donovan Edwards more in this game this Saturday? Because they really haven't run him nearly as much this year as they did last year. I know part of it had to do with Corum's injury and Corum being fully healthy this year. I feel like they're going to come out and try to run Donovan Edwards a bunch again this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But yeah, I, I, I think we'll I think we'll see a heavy dose of him. But he he. To me, he's regressed a little bit. I was gonna say year. he doesn't look the same. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't think it necessarily matters. I just think it's interesting, and I think that might be one of their quote-unquote wrinkles that they try to throw. But sure. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a factor in the game. Let's take a break so I can get a sponsor plug in here, and when we come back, we'll uh, talk a little about a little bit about our favorite memories about the game and the history of the game. Looking for a high-quality detailing service? Check out Stoller Shine Detailing, located on the outskirts of Paulding. Stoller Shine Detailing has a variety of options for interior-exterior detailing. Whether your ride is new, used, or abused, Stoller Shine Detailing strives for highest quality results and treat each vehicle as their own. To schedule an appointment, go to StollerShineDetailing.com or contact owner and operator Logan Stoller at 419-770-1042. Check out Stoller Shine Detailing on Facebook. Are you wanting to put that finishing touch on your landscaping to set it apart from the rest? Or maybe you just need a gift idea for that hard-to-buy four-person in your life? Give Blake and Tiffany a call with Sin Rock Engraving. They offer custom engraved rocks that will be one of a kind. They will walk you through the process of picking out your rock and customizing it with anything from names, addresses, businesses, or images of your choice. Give them a call at 419-796-9897 or check them out on Facebook, Sin Rock Engraving, 419-796-9897. Back here across the field. Guys, the next topic we want to get into is the shithole stadium. So, Ryan, take it away. Well, so what I'm – this is a concern of mine. I think we all know how – the players come out onto the field up there. It's only one tunnel and the locker rooms all the way up that tunnel. And at the end of that, that thing are only separated by about 20 feet. 
Uh, and I don't care how much security you have. And you're like this year where I, I know the rivalry runs uh, is, is longstanding. The hate runs deep. This year's different. I, these teams cannot wait to just trade blows with each other. And, and, and it's, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not going to be shocked if it happens before we even kick the thing off. Um, you know, we saw it happen with the Michigan State game last year up there. Um, this is a whole different level of hate that I don't know if we've seen um, in the rivalry yet that we're gonna, we're about to see this year, and uh, it's good. It's gonna be it's gonna be chippy, and I, I'm curious to see some of the shenanigans that take place before the game. Be in large part because uh, the teams are gonna come out, you know basically right behind right one in front one behind each other like it's it's ridiculous yeah that's one of my favorite parts about the game um you know when it's played at the big house is the tunnel um that's about as wide as an elevator and and you got both teams walking up through there and then if any if anything happens um all the michigan fans you know will say that you're supposed to be responsible adults instead of building something that's consistent with the century we're living in um, and I, I also like how, how pregame, you know, you got about five to seven yards, uh, between the out of bounds line and, 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 uh, the stands. And hopefully they'll have about 450 camera guys down there on the sideline before the game and maybe run into the starting quarterback's knee with their big lens or something. Uh, that that's just some of the neat nuances of playing up, up North there. There Colby, you've been up there. Let's hear Yeah, I'm I've been up there twice, and there's it's the reason we're not going back this year. Um, last time, and clearly the last time, out, there, are you? yeah, no, it just not going up there because of just I think just really this year the animosity between crowds. I mean, people are gonna be fired up. I think this is gonna be one of the craziest scenes of a college football atmosphere that for a pre or a regular season game that college football has really ever seen so it's going to be something different but yeah we're not going up there this year because we don't want to get punched in the face or yell yelled at or anything like that and we really don't want to walk down the toilet bowl because it is the worst designed stadium from an institution that puts himself on academics 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 they can't build shit so yeah yeah you know they can flip hamburgers that's what their alumni do that's what they do You know, like realistically, if there's a Buckeye fan listening to this and he or she's considering going to the game Saturday, like, is it a safe environment for an Ohio State fan to go to on Saturday, realistically? Not this year. Not, Not this, this year. year. I don't think so either. No way. I mean, and it, I think it, like, there's bad fans in every spot. And if it was in Columbus, I think it would be just the same environment mm-hmm. as it is in Ann Arbor this year. Yeah. Sure. Except we're just, we're not cheaters. So there's a difference there. But yeah. Ryan, I've got an interesting question for you. So you've been to Happy Valley. Yeah. And and you said you wouldn't go back again unless it was like an army of guys. Is that this type of year or do you think it's going to be even worse? <sighs> Man, I used to think Penn State people were the worst people on the face of the earth. Like after that game that I went to, I was like, wow. Like that, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, I had a fun time. I don't want to talk any Buckeye fans listening to this out of – going to happy valley someday if you haven't been there before um i'm kind of considering going back next year but anyways i i I do kind of expect you know just as far as the animosity i do expect 
that probably ratcheted up a little more just because this is the game. I mean, when I think because when I went to Penn State that year, um, we were that was the year we won the national championship, but we weren't playing great at that point in the year. So I don't know if that was quite what we thought of ourselves and certainly probably wasn't what Penn State thought of us. But at the same time, Penn State was having an average year. I think I think they might have went like like eight and five that year. So they weren't a great team. Um, but we're their biggest game of the year every year. So, you know, they're all out for it. But I just think this is going to be a whole other level um, on top of that. Now, I want your guys' opinion. If Harbaugh coaches this game, is it as nasty? Or since Harbaugh is not coaching, uh, does it make it even nastier? I don't think it has an impact. You don't think so? On the, in terms of the nastiness, just because I, I don't – he doesn't – I don't think he's one to um, go out of his way to keep things under control on his side. I don't know if I don't know if he contributes to the sort of behavior we expect to see, um, but he certainly has never appeared to be one to, you know, go out of his way to keep it from happening. I guess the I'm what I meant by that question was. Uh, if the Big Ten didn't lay the wall down and give them the three-game punishment, but there's still news about them coming out cheating and they still think that Ohio State is the one that brought it up. That's that's pretty much what um, it. Okay, well, and that asked – well, I mean, if you saw anything from his press conference today, um, I mean, it's pretty clear he has little to no respect for, for Ohio State and for Ryan Day. Um, and I'm not saying he needs to. Um but my thought process is kind of what, you know, Urban Urban Meyer used to say is, you know, the number one thing in this rivalry is respect. The reason you, you work so hard to win the game is the respect you have for the, for the other team. Um, and I know I, I don't remember Jim Trestle or Lloyd Carr, um, you know, pulling some of the antics that he does, dodging qu- simple yes or no questions like he does in his press conferences all the time, saying really bizarre off-the-wall things and you know, just flat-out going going out of his way to, to disrespect an opponent, which is fine. I mean, if that's how he wants to do it, you know, by all means, I'm sure his players feed off of it, but um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it's the right approach. I seen today that he talked about seeing his mom in a one piece swimsuit today or something. Yep. Yeah. He's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. He sleeps with recruit, has sleepovers with recruits and doesn't eat chicken, eats steak on Thanksgiving. He's he's a whack job. No, but yeah, but like in all seriousness, Ryan, like I think I think that's a really good point you make about just the respect for the rivalry that we yeah. always talked about the way it was with Bo and Woody. And then I think we saw it, you know, with Trestle and Carr and, you know, Urban, like we said, Harbaugh just does not have that. And I think that he thinks that he's this super respected and respectful figure and he's just not it. And honestly, like Ryan Day, if the stuff about him, like saying the like, we're going to hang like or, you know, saying the Harbaugh or whatever, saying that they're going to hang 100 on Michigan. Like, yeah, I, I think it's both sides. I think it's more so Harbaugh than Day. But I think there's a lot of pettiness there and like there's a lot of like true hatred and just not as much respect in this rivalry anymore, period, with these two. There things. is. There is. Yeah. And you're and you're right. And that's a good point you bring up about Day. Um I thought I don't know if these guys have 
have something I'd have to look and see when they were both coaching in the NFL. I don't know if there's something going back to those days or what, because, you know, Ryan day with all due respect is not an Ohio guy. Um, I think he, I think he understands the rivalry now, but you know, Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan, a Michigan guy. And I don't, it, I just, I'm curious to know where that's where such a deep, cause it's clear they don't like each other. And Started I just, on third base. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, okay, so, I mean, yeah, but where does, so where does, but so Dave made the comment about hanging a hundred, like, is that just cause he's coaching true against, is that cause he's coaching us now? Is that why he, he said, I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole story, I guess. That, that was during COVID when coaches shouldn't have been seeing players or something. And, uh, Harbaugh said on a big 10, uh, coaches conference call, that he was trying to out Ohio State. I believe yeah. that's when Ryan Day said, we'll hang 100 on your ass. So maybe that's where it started then. Yeah. Um, all all alleged, by the way, on that. I mean, we know for a fact Harbaugh said the born on third base thing. Like, that. That right. there's still no hard proof to that hanging 100 thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess question I have for you guys, like, all four of you, as Buckeye fans, like, where do we stand on Jim Harbaugh? Like, obviously, he's a weirdo. He's a goofball. But, like, <laughs> did, 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 do you guys think he's a good football coach? I'll start with this one. He is not a good football coach by any means. He's still playing in the 1970s. Uh, can't win the big game. I mean, he beat Ohio State. He designed his team to beat Ohio State, but can't do anything past that. Um, unfortunately, this is his last year up north, and he's going to take the Bears job, and I'm going to be uh, not a fan of the NFL anymore. Uh, but uh, – Beside that, no, I don't think he's a good football coach. He's won two games against Ohio State. I'll I'll disagree. I think he's a good football coach. I think he's a better NFL coach than he is in college. Um, I just think that maybe that style fits the NFL better. I don't know. Um, I just have a hard time imagining myself as a recruit. And maybe he's a totally different guy off the camera. But I just have a hard time imagining myself wanting to play for the guy. Yeah. Um that's that would be my biggest thing and that's probably why i think he'd be better in the nfl or why i think he is better i mean he was he was a uh he was a borderline call or no call away from potentially winning a super bowl i don't think you get that far by accident so i do think he's a good football coach um and peyton in terms of the bears i just want to win so i don't really care who's coaching him if he can help us win you know i'm open to the idea i wouldn't be in love with it um because of his background but i mean i just want the team to win but i don't we that's a topic you I and think i can discuss for another day i'd have a hard time rooting for the guy though maybe i i think i think he's i think he's a fine football coach i'm on the side of ryan as well i mean he has made michigan now what they are and before him michigan was a dumpster dumpster fire and the game wasn't fun so you had to look in that aspect like it makes the game so much more better because Jim Harbaugh is a coach. But and everywhere he's been, he's had success. So yeah. it's not the greatest success, you know. Has he won, like one national championship, one Super Bowls? No, but he's a good coach. Just a weirdo. Like I don't know. And I think he also now it might be different going to NFL now because I feel like when once everything comes out about this cheating scandal, people care about that stuff. He's going to lose a little bit of respect in locker rooms because of it. 
Yeah. I don't well, know. Become, become an NFL coach. Look at the NFL coaches nowadays. I mean, like Kevin, like all these like offensive gurus, like designing plays in this pass first offense. I just don't feel like he fits the mold of the NFL anymore. I think his time's come and gone. That, I don't know. That, that was going to be my point. I think he's a good football coach, but you know, I think he's had the most success in the NFL and that game's even changed since he's been there. So like, how good is he going to be when he gets back? I guess, is he, is he able to adapt to the game that the NFL has become as well? Yeah. Um, I guess kind of where I stand on the whole thing is I, I do think he's a good football coach. He's won games, obviously. Um, and I think that like the last two years, Ohio state has clearly had more talent on the, like on their roster than Michigan. And I mean, he, I mean, they've, they've beat the brakes off Ohio state the last two years. And anytime you can take a team with a lesser talent and elevate them into what they've become, I, I think that takes a good coach. The one thing I will say, and the one thing I have a hard time with, is I think that one of the luckiest things that ever happened to him, or smartest things that ever happened to him in that university, um, was the whole deal in 2020. Whether they had COVID or not, we'll never know. Um, so it was either lucky or smart on their part, because that was going to be an absolute beating in the COVID year. Ohio State was loaded, and Michigan was really, really, really bad. And that might have been a situation where it felt like he was almost out the door. And at that point, Ohio State had won, I think it was eight games in a row. And Michigan got that year off of that game. And it was almost like they just needed a year break and that like rejuvenated them enough to go win in 2021 because it's one of those things where it does become psychological it feels like in a rivalry like ohio state's won eight in a row michigan gets a year up then they're able to go and win now michigan's won two and already i'm worried about ohio state from a psychological standpoint if they get down seven nothing ten nothing in this game like can they pull it together and come back and compete and stay in it and potentially win so I think he really, really lucked out from that 2020 season, or we might be talking about him in a completely different way. That's a good point, Brady, and, and that that's kind of one thing I've thought about, and I'll ask you guys this. like, There's not many Ohio State players on this roster if, you know, there's a select few that know what it's like to beat Michigan. So, like, does that play affect um, end of the game? Oh, that's tough. I haven't thought as, about as far as as far as like getting down, like Brady mentioned earlier. Getting game. down, yes, I think that plays a factor. I don't know if, as the game unfolds, if you're right there or winning, I don't think it's really a big deal because it's only been two years in a row. I think if we're talking three or four, I think it's a little different. But, um, I think part of it's an advantage. Simply, I think. I think maybe you, you can be the more hungry team in this scenario, Ohio State being that team. Um, and, and I could be wrong. We could, we might see that. I, I think, I think it impacted us last year, not in the sense of not knowing how to beat Michigan. I think it was simply losing the year prior. Once we did get down, uh, it, I mean, didn't things feel really tight that second half? Uh, the things felt tight the whole year. Ryan Day was on eggshells that whole year last year. 
in my opinion. I, I know you're right. You're one hundred percent right. I think the twenty twenty one game. I think that beat us twice. If that yes. Sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It. I. I think there's really something to it, and and that might be totally crazy of me to say, but I. I really do think there's a mental factor to it, and man, it is. It's crazy. Like the lack of respect. Going back to what we talked about earlier, like the one thing that drives me crazy about Jim Harbaugh is the lack of respect that he ha- he seems to have for Ohio State and Coach Day because literally one win in 2021 was all it took for their program to think that they were back like all the way and look at them now I mean they think they're a national powerhouse and it all goes back to literally winning that one game in 2021. I think it goes back to what you just mentioned before this topic ducking us in, in 2020 that was an all-time dodge job and and i think it i think it saved his job there at michigan i think it saved their program michigan fans will never admit it but they i think any one of them that are reasonable know it's true that's the that's the hard part you got to find a reasonable one (laughs) i'll go something that you said um our roster versus their roster I would pick our roster 100 days of the year. So just by that, it's crazy that we're a dog going into this game. I know it's there and everything going on, but just we have so much more skill and just speed and just talent than they do this year. And and you know what, Colby? I don't. I I agree with you. I don't think a lot of people nationally would would agree with that or even know that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think we would like you would have to to pull the numbers up, the recruiting numbers, and show them. Like I don't, I don't think they buy that. And and maybe I don't think Michigan fans care. I think they just think they can bully us. Um, we're gonna find out. I think it's a lot easier to do if you know what the other team's gonna is, is running offensively or defensively. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's wild to think about knowing that we we probably have the better. We do have the better roster. Um, and yet we're an underdog. I, 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 I think this, you know, I think it's, I think it's beneficial to Ohio state to be the underdog in it this year. Yep. Yes. When's the last time Ohio state was underdog in this game, fellas? 2018. 2018. And to go on that, just sorry, Brady, but no, you're good. I feel like the last few years, a word that has been used for, a Ryan Day coach team, and this year it's even one of them that's been used, is toughness. I don't – honestly, I, Bobby Carpenter was talking about this today, and I couldn't agree more. I don't want to hear the word toughness this week. It, we don't need to be tougher than them. We just need to go be ourselves, use our speed, use our athletes, and just make plays. We don't need – I mean, clearly you have to be tough to play football. Everybody knows that. But that's not – the word we need we just need to be dominant we don't we don't need to be tough like get mad about it but it's not a way of playing a fo- our way of playing football games is not running tough between the tackles it is getting out in space using athletes using our defensive athletes in space so just we just need to be more athletic and use our our roster versus their roster yeah i i think that's a, that's a really good point because if you're looking at toughness as just from a physical standpoint like if you're going to try to go be the tougher team saturday 
physically and run between the tackles, you're going to lose because that's what Michigan's yep. good at. Exactly, and that's what they made us do last year. Yeah, and just to kind of counter what you guys were saying about the the talent gap in, in the rosters, I think I still think Ohio State has a more talented roster this year, but I do think the gap is a little closer than it has been the last two years just because Michigan is so senior heavy and they have so much experience. Um, but still, like I said earlier, from a national perspective, Michigan is just no threat to me. However, they're, they just seem to be built solely for this game. And, and, and that's my, that's my only hesitation and looking forward to this weekend. Guys, can we talk about – I mean, Brady, you sent a text last week. Ohio State has a great opportunity. If they win this game, I mean, this Michigan program could go down in the dumpster fire, like what what should have happened in 2020. So, like, can you reiterate on that? Uh, yeah. Comment? I mean, yeah. I, I just said, and I've said to several people over the past couple weeks, Ohio State is in such a rare – has such a rare opportunity with all the stuff that's going on off the field to really, I mean, put this Michigan program in a world of hurt because a very realistic scenario is if Ohio state can win this game, Michigan misses the college football playoff. They're handed really the NCAA throws the book at them. They're handed a one year or two-year postseason ban, Harbaugh potentially either fired or darts to the NFL, um, you know, fines and probation and, and scholarships taken away. And this Michigan program could just be put basically back to where they were two or three years ago, in my opinion, on top of graduating 44 seniors this year. They graduate 44 seniors? 44. 44. How is that even possible? I don't does know. That, does that count some the guys leaving early too? Probably. I'm not sure. I, I saw that number somewhere, 44. Okay. Because yeah. even with our guys leaving early, we're nowhere close to 44. No. no. We had 21 seniors right out on senior day. Well, that is, that is so correct. This is opportunities to bury the Michigan football program. I mean – cheating scandal if we win by more than two touchdowns somehow it is just over for the team up north the, the vibe like just to piggyback off colby the vibe is going to be oh maybe maybe the cheating had something to do with the last two years maybe we can't exactly that without cheating right. and that's just, that is dangerous to jim Knowles and ryan Day. if they know that the last two years is because they knew our plays and stuff that just gives a chip on a shoulder for next year and the year after. So that's, I hope that's the case. Time out. Can, we, can we talk about, we, we really didn't get into the cheating scandal on this podcast. Can we talk about that? Because like, I'm tired of seeing people on ESPN or people on social media say it happens everywhere. Yes, it happens during the game. Like you don't go and scout, take videos of what's going to happen. It changes the whole, it, for offensive and defensive coordinator, it changes the whole game. One thing that really makes me mad about this whole scandal is like, I wish it would have came out after the season. I think just because regardless of if it's true, not true, whatever, all of Michigan's opponents that they've played since all this came out, including Ohio state 
they have to spend extra time and extra preparation time changing things up j- just because of the possibility of Michigan already knowing their signs or whatever. So just from that standpoint, you have to take added time away that you shouldn't from your game prep and your week of the game to change your signals and stuff. That That's just garbage to me. It's huge. That is huge. Too. That's a lot of time that that's, and I think people don't realize like, yeah, you can change those signals and people are going to pick them up. But what happens if Marvin goes down and we have a freshman coming in that game and signals just got changed from week to week. Yeah. Those are like a lot bigger moments than people probably would ever even realize. So that's, that's my other question for you, Colby is, do you think these, do you think our signs have changed week to week? Or do you think this is something we did a few weeks ago and we're just kept building on it? Like, I, I would say they get changed. I would say I wouldn't say every week because that's just so much. And schematically, every game has different play calls. You're not yeah. you're not running the same play every game, and right. you have run, different run teams now. I mean, you are changing them. It's and you might be changing who's hot more often on that sideline or different just hot signals. I mean, there might be. I'm sure there's a lot more dummy calls in those cadences now. And those people that are calling signals actually have to practice putting real signals out there. I mean, if you're a dummy person and you're not paying attention, you could just be throwing things and they could know right away, oh, he's not hot. But you have, I mean, the way they did it is probably way more than anybody realizes how they got those signals and how they can guarantee what's being called. But changing signals is a lot harder than the average person thinks because. In any given playbook, you could have, I mean, a couple hundred play calls that have a different signal for each one of them. So sure. it's, it's tough. Well, that's, you know, so I've mentioned this before. I listened to, listened to Zach Smith a lot, and that's what he talked about when the whole thing happened. He said it's so hard to just change midseason. And not mm-hmm. only that, then go like week to week and try to keep up with everything. Yep. And like schematically, like <laughs> a play we had in college for something, just a skinny post your signal is skinny on that. So you, you, and to change that whole name of that route concept to something just because of a signal is wild. And that just, it creates yeah. two different, two, two different ideas in someone's head. And just as younger guys, more than the older guys that could just mind somebody. So. Right. <laughs> and I may be, and I may be totally off, but like, that's a bluffton. I mean, this is, this is Ohio state. I imagine it's, it's, it's a little bit more, Oh, uh, complex. So, yep. all right. Anybody else got anything to add on that? I could call a perfect game if I knew what the defense was running. So that's all my whole thing. They're they're off. They should never get credited for if they figure out they got signals like that. They should, all the games they should taken get away. The Houston Astros treatment. Um, you know, we no. They need something extra more than the Houston Astros. Treatment. The Astros got let off. Kept the World Series. <laughs> like, they need more than that. A three-game suspension is not even a slap on the wrist right now. That's like a good job way to way to do it right. I really wish he was coaching on Saturday. I wish he was. Still I do on the too. Spot. Yeah. I don't want to beat. I mean, I, I'm fine with beating Sherwin Moore. I want to beat Jim Harbaugh. Yep. Yeah. Weeks ago. Whoa! What, what was that? We lost you there. I said I. I said I told a Michigan fan, Brett Couser, that two weeks ago when the news came out that he was going to be suspended on the sidelines when he gets drummed in his stadium. 
and he don't have the signals. Does your landscaping need an upgrade this year? Look no further than TNT Springer Landscaping. They specialize in mulch, rock, trim redesign, and much more. For your next landscaping project, choose TNT Springer Landscaping. Contact Tony Springer at 419-910-0742 to make your landscaping vision a reality. Everyone knows about Pucker Brush Pizza. If not, get on board for fantastic fresh cuisine. You know, pizza, calzones, quesadillas with handcrafted queso, soups and salads too. Like them on Facebook and check their website for hours and online menu. PuckerBrushPizza.com. Pucker Brush Pizza in Payne at 117 East Marin and 114 South Main in Antwerp. Put these numbers in your phone. 263-2626 in Payne and 506-2002 in Antwerp. Big city taste at a small town price. It's Pucker Brush Pizza. All right, back here across the field. Guys, talking about the game, let's talk about the history of it a little bit. And, and I know we did this last year with the four of us, but Brady, I don't think, was with us. So, Brady, I want to start with you. What's the first Michigan-Ohio State game you remember, number one? And then number two, what's the your favorite or most memorable? Huh. The first one I remember was the first one I was at, 2004. Um, that was a really, really good game. Uh Ohio State underdog in that game ended up beating a really, really good Michigan team. Um, Ted Ginn had a big punt return for a touchdown in that game. That That's one of the most memorable moments for me. Um, hold on, hold on. So if my math is correct, you were five? I was five years old. Yep, I was there. Oh, you guys you were talking me for being 10. You were, <laughs> you were eight. Yeah, you're right. I was eight. I know you were. Holy smokes. Okay, so five. That's awesome. Yeah, yep. That was a good one. And then, honestly, my favorite ever – I'm going to kind of cheat here. I'm going to give a couple. My favorite ever Michigan game probably is 2005, and I think most of you guys probably know that. I talk about that game all the time and the comeback that Troy Smith had in that game in Ann Arbor. Just absolutely epic. I, I think that's an all-timer. Um, if I had to say a favorite – I would say 2018 mm -hmm. just because that was – so I went to my first Michigan game in 2004, and then I didn't go to another one until 2018. And that game, just with all the hype around that team and just a complete beatdown that that game was, um, that's probably my favorite ever. Uh, the block punt returned for a touchdown in the second half of that game. That was the loudest I've ever heard the horseshoe. Um, so that would be my favorite is 2018. So I'm going to agree with Brady. Uh, the 2005 one's kind of more of an honorable mention for me. Um, that might be my favorite one in Ann Arbor. Um, mm -hmm. But my, my favorite memory, memory of all time, you know, so first of all, Brett, the first part of your question, the first game you remember – for me, that's the 2001 game. That's Jim Trestle's first game. Yeah. Um, and I think that's certainly part of the conversation, too, just because I think that's the game that kind of uh, turned the rivalry in the other direction. Um, but my favorite one um, is, is the 2018 version. I was at that game. Um, and just the fact that we went in as underdogs um, and we were probably pretty doubted nationally just because we had we only lost one game, but we just weren't really playing well all year. And then we just kind of came out and unloaded on them, the hung 62 on them. Um, that was, it was just, that was probably the most satisfying 
victory against them, and that's why for me that one's that one's my favorite. Peyton Colby, how about you guys? I agree with you, Ryan. Uh, Hanging sixty-two. That's my favorite. Urban's last one. Uh, that first game that I went to back in two thousand ten, didn't even realize it was going to be Trestle's last game in the shoe. That one was special. Uh, but I'd say the first uh, memory of the rivalry. I mean, I was four during 06, but I, Beanie Wells was my favorite player. And in 07, he went up north and he put it to him in that 07 game up north. Um, so 18 is my favorite one. 07 starting where I get my first memory of, of the game. Colby, how about you? Yeah, I would say I have two, and they're actually back-to-back. So 18 and 19. Um, 18 just was my first experience of a – state Michigan game, and that was just a murdering. And then 19 was awesome because that was my first time ever at the big house, first row, and just got to watch that dick smacking too. So that was awesome. That was one of the best experiences and a complete opposite feeling of two years ago at the big house because that was one of the worst experiences of my life. Okay. Now, right after you say yours, I have another topic. Okay. Well – as far as like the first one I remember, it's with Ryan um, in 2001, Trestle's first first game up there. Um, as far as my favorite, be 2018, just absolutely obliterating them. And then probably the one I'll remember the most would have been 2016. Uh, and I bring that one up because that was a game my dad and I went to together. So that was kind of a special moment for us to be there and and get to experience that. So that one's always going to be my favorite, I think. Okay. So, so the next topic I bring up, you know, kind of piggybacks off that other than you can't pick Curtis Samuel touchdown in 16, you, uh, your favorite play of Ohio state and Michigan. Uh, When Justin Fields came back and threw a touchdown to was it Garrett Wilson. Damn it. Colby. That was, that was you can't beat that one at at the big house. Chris Olave blocking the punt in eighteen. I think that's that's up there with one of the loudest I've ever loudest moments I've ever heard Ohio Stadium. Um, that one, and then uh, right behind it, uh, Will Allen stepping in front of the hail mary, picking it off in o two. Um, I just remember the excitement. Um, when I was, I was obviously much younger that year, but um, definitely old enough to remember, you know, everything that took place. So I'm going to put that one second on my list. Paul Keels, the Buckeyes are heading to the desert. One of my yep. favorite calls. Brady? Yeah, I, the two plays that came to mind for me right away were, you know, 2005 Smith to Gonzalez on that last drive and then 2018 yep. the, the Olave block pond those are one a and one b for me see okay you guys colby took my one one a one b this thing gets overlooked um and it's not 2013 Tyvis powell interception i'm going to go back to 2014 um and what it led to um ohio state it was a dog fight to a, a lesser michigan team and jt barrett goes down and it's like a fourth and one or something and Ezekiel Elliott gets the fourth and one, takes it to the house for a touchdown, and then that leads to Darren Lee touchdown, and then that leads to, you know, 
number eight national championship. And so Peyton, that fourth down play, um, I've seen like on a 2014 documentary on that team, uh, Urban talks about that specific play, and he was debating in the huddle whether we were going to punt the ball away or go for it on fourth one, and the offensive linemen are like screaming at him, telling him, we can get it, we can get it, just hand the ball, hand the ball off, we'll get it. And I just think that play gets overlooked. I mean, that was a 28-21 uh, ball game at that point. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. And that Michigan, what, had four or three losses that year. So, yeah, no, they had more than that. They didn't even go to a bowl game. Okay. Yeah, they were five. That was Hoax last year. That was Hoax. Yeah, it was Hoax last year. Yep. With so. that with that being said about the Zeke run, there's so many, like, long runs by Ohio State running backs in this rivalry that are so memorable to me. Like, almost all of them have one. Like, Antonio Pittman has a yep, couple. Yep. Beanie, Beanie Wells has a couple. Carlos Hyde. J.K. Dobbins. Dan Heron. Dan Heron. I mean, like, all of these great Buckeye running backs, it seems like they always, you know, had a moment in, in, in the game where, where they busted off a big play that really – and it always seemed like it was in the second half and to kind of bust the game open. So, um, come on, Travion. Here we go. Yep. Braxton. Braxton in 13. True. One more conversation uh, that I wanted to get going. Is this from 2016 uh, to this year – uh, this will be the third time since then that both teams come in undefeated. And it's only happened four times in the rivalry. Uh, 16, um, last year, this year, and then 2006. So is this the best stretch of the rivalry, even better than the 10-year war? It's up there. I don't know if it's fair for us to say since we didn't experience the 10-year war, but I would, I definitely think it's fair to say, you know, in our lifetime. Right. Uh, I think we're I think we're kind of in the midst of a of a second ten year war, so to speak. And I think specifically, if you go back to if you start basically when Harbaugh got to Michigan, um, and start you know when we're you know kind of going through Urban's era, and then all the way through now, I, I think it's I think it's a pretty interesting stretch with maybe the uh, most uh, most hateful <laughs> chapter yet to be written my take on that would be this whatever you want to call it what it is right now you know maybe the best stretch definitely the best stretch in our lifetime obviously because michigan has made it a true rivalry again 2016 24 whatever year you want to say to now 2023 this is the end for me and i know we talked about it in the preseason podcast at length so i don't want to talk yeah. about it a lot again but with the playoff expansion coming to 12 teams this is the last time this game is going to have this kind of meaning in my opinion um at least the regular season version i think you'll see you know the more memorable ohio state michigan games will be matchups in the future you know and potentially in the big 10 championship or in the playoff the rematches but as far as the rivalry as we know it um this game on saturday is the end of of a big chapter that was one thing I wanted to mention. Um, to me, that's how it feels. Like this is that's that's one. You know, obviously, as a Buckeye fan, I want to win the game no matter what. But to me, you know, with this being like the last big one, I just feel like we definitely got to get it. Yeah, I mean, seriously, put your put this game. I mean, just picture if this year there was a twelve team playoff. 
Ohio State and Michigan are both in this week. Yeah, you want to win the game, but if you don't win, then I don't want to say it's a shrug your shoulders type thing, but I, but I it kind know. of is. It kind yeah, of is. I mean, it, it depends on how you look at things, I guess. And, and this year's different than I feel like. I feel like this year's different than last year. Even I feel like the loser of this game does not get in. So yeah, this, it, this is a playoff elimination game. Ryan, I know you hate to hear that about you know, <laughs> the, the game losing the meaning, but what do you think? Uh, I mean, it is what it is at this point. You guys are right. Now, I've never been. I've never been opposed to the opportunity to play them more than once in a year. In fact, I think I've I've been on that since the original divisions in the Big Ten when it was legends and leaders, and they placed us in opposite divisions. Um, I wanted to play twice. I wanted to play them twice. I wanted to play them back-to-back. Um, my thought process behind that as an Ohio State fan is mostly motivated by to catch catching them and then passing them in the all-time series record because they hold they hold the lead in that right now, um, I think, by about 10 wins or so. Um, somewhere It might be a little less than that. But um, I, I, I think it's, it certainly takes the do-or-die kind, of th- kind of feel away from it going forward. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to lose its, its meaning. Um, it's certainly not going to lose, you know, the its importance because I think it is going to have, even though there's going to be years where maybe it's already guaranteed that we're playing them again the very next week, you know, for a conference championship. Um, I think there's going to be plenty of years where maybe it decides um, playoff seeding, um, potentially hosting a playoff game, potentially getting a bye in the first round of playoffs, not having to play that extra game. Um I think, though, and this this could be unfortunate if it's at if it's at a neutral site. It could be could be awesome if it's one of those first round, the higher seed hosts things. Um, I think it's just I think it's going to add more to that rematch. I think the rematch is just going to be bananas whenever it does happen. We were we almost got it last year, um, you know, in the national championship game. Um, so to to me, like it's unfortunate that the that the regular season version may lose a little um, of the the angst, the do or die kind of feel. But I also think the day when that day comes, when we we meet them a second time in the same season, I think that's I think that's gonna we've never experienced anything like that, and that yeah, that's something I'm excited about. Absolutely. But it'll be the beginning of a new chapter. You know, I think we can all agree on that. Like this is the end of the rivalry as we know it. Yeah. I think, I think there could be a a gap year in that though, because just with everything happening this year, there's going to be hatred no matter what next year. So, and a new coach on Michigan side, I think it'll be amped up a little bit. I don't think Jimmy's staying, but yeah, that definitely – the meaning of it's less, but I think the hatred of it is still going to be there as For long sure. as Michigan stays relevant. And I, I will say this as an Ohio State fan, and I know I've been very kind of opinionated and outspoken in saying that the regular season game won't matter as much, but I don't want Ohio State to be the team that just lays down and says, oh, the, the regular season game doesn't really matter. Like, I prefer for that to be Michigan that does that 100%. Yeah. Are we at? 
Can we? Okay, uh, so I hinted at this earlier. I won't get to the. I know we're saving one, um, so I'll go with this one first. Can you think of a more anticipated game? A game you were just not so much like excited or ant, but just just the the anxiousness. Like you could not wait to see exactly what how this goes down. Just because of the the cheating scandal, because of what's happened the last two years on top of the stakes that ride on just this one game, Peyton mentioned the loser probably does not get in without, you know, a lot of other wild things happening in just a short amount of time. So I brought up the 2014 sugar bowl against Alabama. And and I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, how I feel before games or how I look forward to games. I'm not saying they feel the same because I, I don't, I, I think they're similar. I don't think they're, I think they're, there's certainly some differences, but just as far as anticipating it, wanting it to be here, like I, that's what it feels like. It feels different than the Clemson games. It feels different than the Georgia game last year. It feels different than playing Michigan one and two in 06. Um, and, and it feels different than, than last year or even in 16 when they were two and three. It, it, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's kind of hard for me to describe, but the one game I kind of come back to is that Alabama sugar bowl. So I do kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go first on this. I think it is one of the most anticipated games of our lifetimes, like a regular season game, because there's so, so, so much behind it. It's not just Ohio versus Michigan this year. It's Coach Day's lost two in a row. What happens if he loses three, three, loses three in a row? What happens if they beat Ohio State with an interim coach and – they can't do anything about it. Uh, um, and then I think this also could be one of the most watched football games in history. Oh, other than, sure. Like it's not, ju- it's not just Ohio, Michigan, big 10 country looking at this game this year. There's a, a national scope that wants that fight wants those big punches back and forth, but in the game. So yeah. I think it's the anticipation is crazy. I think with it being Thanksgiving week, there's going to be even more talk about it because people are going to be sitting by their TVs. It's just one of the most anticipated games regular season-wise that any of us have really ever seen, I really think. Ryan, I agree with you with the Alabama game. Um, I wasn't, again, I was four years old during 06, so don't really remember it, but like some of the podcasts I've been listening to all week, it feels different because Ohio State still felt like the better team in 06, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Michigan wasn't there. They were still trying to get there. And then after that game, you obviously see that they never got there. Yeah. Michigan's here. They're relevant on the national landscape. And Ohio State is still relevant on the national landscape. And then the reason why I compare it to the Alabama game is because so much unknown going into yes. this Michigan game. And yep. it's like the Alabama game. There was so much unknown. Cardell yeah. Jones. The second start going against the big bad SEC. Their speed. They have Amari Cooper. How are we going to stop Nick Saban? We can't beat the SEC. That's yeah. what. That's and what. It I was, yeah, and it's it's kind of the same. I, I agree with all the the points you mentioned there. As far as it being similar, um, another thing that comes to mind for me is it's not the. It's like going into that game and going to this one. Both of them. Neither of them it, – it's not the impossible, daunting task like we have to play near perfect. We have to play very well, but we've seen – and it 
what's similar is we've seen flashes of it throughout the year and specifically as of late, just like that 2014 team. I mean, I don't – if that 59 to nothing doesn't happen, I mean, for one, we probably don't get the opportunity we got, but I think that was – part of what had that team so confident going into that game and you know again the unknown is what's what this is urban's first crack at the sec with ohio state what's this going to look like cardell jones second start for uh you know looking at this game they don't have their head coach all the off the field stuff that's going on did the cheating really have a major impact on the result of the last two games uh did it not does it did it really matter um, just, we, like I said, like I said at the beginning, I have no idea what this is going to look like. So for me, this game isn't 2006 because I thought in 2006, the one versus two, I thought that those were two phenomenal football teams. And what at the time seemed like two of like, definitely maybe the top two teams in the country. This year with Ohio State and Michigan, I don't think we truly know how good on the national scale either of these teams really is. Um, so that's the difference in that for me. I think the like in looking for how different is it kind of just is based on like how you feel about games and your feeling leading up to it. The one game that I compare the two, and I get what you guys are saying with Alabama, this game to me personally is very similar to 2020 Clemson and the reason I say that is because the the parallel I keep coming back to is in 2019 and you guys know I'm anti-blaming officials for sports for the results of sports games but it felt like in 2019 that Clemson game was taken away from Ohio State just with the reviews and the targeting call and that game like that game left me absolutely sick And in 2020, even though it wasn't Clemson personally, they didn't do anything wrong. It just felt like they'd taken something from us the year before. And that's kind of how it feels this year with me for Michigan with the cheating scandal. Like, it feels like they've taken something from Ohio State these past two years. Yeah. So that's the parallel for me is the 2020 Clemson game. But still, I mean, this is unmatched with the whole scandal and the storylines and just being the rivalry. Yeah, and I think that for me, the similarity between the Clemson game you mentioned, for me, the similarity is how I feel specifically about Ohio State going in is I, it's like, because I, I remember how I felt going to that game. It's like, I, I think we can do this, but there's not a lot of room for error. Like, that was my thought process going into that one. And that's kind of how I feel going into this one. Yeah. And the yeah. reason and, I think I feel this way about this one, Ryan, is – it's not the defense. It's not Marv. It's the offensive line play and the quarterback play. That's where mm-hmm. you can't mess up. Yeah. That, that, that's why it reminds me of 2014. Sure, sure. That, that offensive line had troubles at the start of that year. Yeah. And and an unknown at quarterback. Kyle McCord's still unknown. Yeah. I feel the, – The other thing for me with that Clemson game was it was like in 2020, you knew – that was it for Justin Fields. And I think all of us like at the time could realize like this guy is so special and unique. Are we really going to blow two years of this without getting a playoff win? Right. And so there was just some question there. The question now is 
Ryan Day is handling all Big Ten opponents and has proven that he can at least compete on the national stage, but he's struggling to beat Michigan. Yeah. So if you lose this one, it's like, where? what do you do from here with him? And, and, and what does that look like? Yeah. Well, I'd certainly take a result that was similar to that uh, 2020 Clemson triple. I agree. Me too. Me too. I got the fireworks all ready to go. The breakout player. Breakout player. Um, so, Cade Stover's been mentioned as a guy that could possibly have, you know, a big impact on the game. Marv's going to draw a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Um, Abuka looked better last week. I don't know if he's quite 100% or going to be 100%, but I, I do admit he looks better. Um Give me Carnell Tate, and it may Pretty just good. be the Alave comparison. Um, but I think, I think Is it we're because make they were in the same number. <laughs> well, that too, but it, I mean, same number, same position. Um, I, I'm curious. I think they have some wrinkles that we haven't really shown, and I'm not saying that's a ring. I mean, Tate's played all year. Um, I don't know if four receiver sets are on the docket, but I, I do think he's somebody that can, you know, maybe because I, I, I think Michigan's secondary, there's some some yards to be had there. I, I think that I the corner, Will Johnson's pretty good. Um, I think Sane Rasil, that, that nickel safety, whatever, is a, is a pretty good playmaker for them as well. He, he seems to always be in the right spot at the right time. Um, I, I, I'm, I think Michigan is going to try to do what Notre Dame and Rutgers did and I think they're just going to have two guys on Marv and say, nope, you're going you're you're to have to use somebody else to beat it. Um, I think Cardinal Tate may have – it may not be the extent that Olave had, a block punt and two touchdowns, but um, I, I, I say him as a breakout player in terms of maybe one or two specific, whether it be a chunk play or just a, a key play, to maybe something simple as moving the chains or maybe, you know, Line and Marv, if it's if it's a red zone package, Marv or Stover being the decoy, um, kind of Tate gets lost in the shuffle. McCord finds him wide open, you know, for a big play late, something like that. I, I think Cardinal Tate's the guy. Next, I'll go next. Mine, mine's gonna be a little off there, and I think Peyton's gonna love this one most. Um, I'm actually gonna go to the defensive side of the ball. And we don't. Sonny Styles. Damn it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been a quiet guy this year, but I think like he has a big sack or like a big tip pick. But no, I think he's gonna do something special. Like, and not like he's gonna have a twenty tackles throughout the game. Like, he's gonna have that one big play that makes a difference in the day. We here. No. Off that. I had three guys of mine. I had Sonny Styles, Josh Proctor, and Jordan Hancock. And I'm not gonna it's one of those guys, Michigan's gonna have a fourth and short, fourth and three, fourth and two, and the run play bounces outside, Blake Corum. And one of those three guys are gonna make a huge stop on fourth down to give the ball back to the Buckeyes. So yeah. you're taking the easy way out and picking three guys. Three of them. Well, since okay, Colby did that. Miles. Oddly, oddly enough, all three guys will probably be on the field at that same point in time too. So, yeah, sure. Shit, I'll take all eleven. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you can round robin a parlay on DraftKings. 
fine. Well, I'll take Jordan Hancock since Colby took Sonny Styles. There you go. It's fine. That's all we're asking. Well, you guys are going guys that are definitely going to be on the field. I, I'm going to go way out in left field and take a guy that might not even get much PT. But I think if you're looking for a true, like, breakout burst onto the scene type guy like Olave was. Brandon Ennis. I'm going to say Kenyatta Jackson. And, and the reason I say that is because Ohio State, we've talked about it this year, and JTT and Jack Sawyer are playing very good football right now. However, like you guys mentioned earlier, this defense, and in particular the pass rush, doesn't have that game record type of player. And Jackson is that type of athlete to where I think, I mean, obviously he's not going to have like a touchdown or anything. I don't like sucking to force a turnover. I don't even expect him to make multiple plays, but I think there could be a sack or two that comes up really big at a key moment. So I'll go same position. I'm not going to clear out in left field. I'll go shallow left center. Um, but a guy I've been critical of, but I thought had a pretty good game last week. I know it was Minnesota. I'm going to go Jack Sawyer. Mm -hmm. I thought he had a pretty solid game and I could see him. Hopefully he can build off of last week's performance and, uh, wreck some havoc in the backfield and come up with some big plays. I also was going to go with Jimmy Simmons. No penalties this week. <laughs> Jeez. Jimmy Simmons. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. If he has no penalties, we're, we're setting ourselves up for success. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking about breakout players here. Um, the the guy I keep circling back to every time I think about this game this week is Travion Henderson for me. And obviously he's not going to break out in this game, but like, as far as just impact players, like if Travion Henderson doesn't have a good game, I don't think the Buckeyes have any chance on Saturday. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he, ha maybe he has the big run to seal the deal late. You know, we talked about earlier, some yeah. running backs pulling off the big runs, you know, from Pittman to Wells, Heron, uh, Carlos Hyde, even a couple quarterbacks, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, and then you got Zeke and Dobbins. Uh, the list goes on and on. So maybe maybe this is Henderson's day. And to piggyback off of another co uh, conversation that we had earlier, kind of reminds me of the 2014 game. Uh, Alabama had two really good running backs. Look, They were looking past the national landscape, was looking past Ezekiel Elliott. Feels like the national landscape still feels like that Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum are better than Travion Henderson. Who knows? Well, Ohio State wins if Travion outduels out them, like has the bigger if, – if Henderson has a bigger day than what Corum and Edwards combined for, Ohio State wins the game. Here's my Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I need to go look it back up, but I had a Twitter thread during this week a year ago to the effect of when Ohio State has a 100-yard rusher in the game, they're, they're almost unbeatable. It went back to like 2000, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that. And that's, that's something – that was another stat that stood out in this game. The team that has won the rushing battle, like yards per carry, mm -hmm. total yards – has won every game since 2000. 2000, Ohio State won the rushing battle, but actually lost the game. That was the last time that that had happened. So, obviously, that kind of thing does not happen very often. That does not mean run the ball down their throat every down. Of the the year, I, 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 because you can't – if that's all you're going to do, you can't do it. 
Like, no. you got to use your other weapons to open that up. Yeah. I got one for you guys. What's Marv's stat line on Saturday? 15 catches, 225, and four touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Hand him the Heisman, then. <laughs> no, realistically, I'll take realistic, the realistically, realistically, nine catches. Uh, give me – let me give it off, off the wall number. Give me a buck 38 and one touchdown. Eight catch – no, let's go seven catches, two touchdowns. And I want to say for a buck six, uh, 162 yards. I'm going to go a low ball number on receptions. I'm going to say like six receptions, but one of those receptions is over 70 yards. So he's going to have six receptions for. That's a lot. That's well, a, I mean, that's a, a Heisman, a Heisman moment. If he can so, have one. So let me, it. let me ask you this. Is that. Is that a deep ball or is that a catch, make a catch. guy miss, and off we go? A, a mesh concept that he just shows <laughs> he that does. speed. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, he could, he could, <laughs> they haven't thrown throw him like a deep shot at all this year. Maybe that's something they've been hiding. Yeah, they haven't done it as much I as hope so. it was CJ. I, I, hope, yeah. so. I hope that's what we're doing is hiding it. Yeah. I, I would go a little more conservative just because I don't think I'll be able to get over the top because I think they'll have a safety all day. So I, I would say like seven catches for about 94 yards. How many touchdowns? No touchdowns? No touchdowns. Maybe one. One, one touchdown. I don't know if that's one. rushing yeah. or receiving. I got to think we get down in the red. The first time we get down in the red zone, we're going to do everything we can to get him the ball. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the silly thing to do because Michigan's going to expect it, but. I got to think right when we get down there, we're going to take a – like we're going to say, okay, give our best player the ball. Does, Mar- does, does Marvin Harrison win the Heisman if he does what Ryan and I think? And Cole- I, no. I think if he has two touchdowns, he will. I think for him to win the Heisman, it would have to be absurd, like a 10 to 15 catch for like 200 yards and multiple touchdowns. <laughs> Well, but we also don't think that's impossible for him either. No, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but it I think you'd have, if, I, I think you'd have to do that two weeks in a row, wouldn't it? It it just yeah. depends on what if Michigan's mindset is to stop him or like contain him, because if they're like wanting to stop him, put two people on him every play, just forget about him and go have other playmakers make it. But if they 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 can cover them on a few downs just know those downs and just abuse it okay hold it go ahead go ahead just go back and whatever that playbook that ryan day had for georgia i mean you just got to go back yeah. pull that back out of the well, cover you don't know if cj or colin cord's not cj stroud though either you're right 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 you're right i think you got to pick your spots like what yes. colby's saying like if you if you see it, he's single coverage, no safety over top of him. It doesn't matter if it's fourth and one or third and fifteen. You better switch that play to give it to Marvin. There's a topic. Can we talk about? I know Brett wanted to ask Colby something. I'll let him do that. But I got a topic mm-hmm. for you guys after. Yeah. After. My my question was so I've seen this throughout most of the year, and I really saw it Saturday when I was in the stands to get Marv one on one. Does it seem better to put him 
on a multiple receiver side or single him up by himself? I think multiple because multiple. you can run guys multiple. off of each other. What about yeah. the slot? I noticed, I felt like when he was singled up, you could see it on the TV, which you can't always see. But last week it was very clear that the with two deep safeties, the safety on on Marv's side, anytime he was singled up, was shading that way right before the snap. Right, and so for me, when I when I saw that, I just feel like that's going to be, you know, I've seen that more than once this year, and so I yeah, I think my thing, my my thing is the best the best way is like in the slot on a multiple receiver side. Yeah, or out of the backfield like they've done a couple times. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think you'll see a lot of like short motions too, just okay. because. I mean, that shows you who's moving with Marv, if anybody. Like, I mean, they've done it a few times this year, just line them yeah. out, out wide and then bring them in three feet and see what they do. And I think you'll see a lot of that this week because I really don't think Coach Day is going to be afraid to take some shots this week. Okay. All right. Here's my favorite. So, Ryan, you go ahead. With yeah, what? Don't, the topic. Don't yeah, don't be cutting in line here, Peyton. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> so, I heard somebody say something about third and short, fourth and short. Uh, can we please just give our best player the ball? And, that, like, back – I don't want to go back to the toughness conversation, but we don't – I mean, to me, toughness doesn't have to be running between the tackles straight ahead on fourth and one. It can be – our best player is number 18 out wide and you have nobody that can cover him. He's getting the ball on third and two on fourth and one because he's the best player on the field. Nobody can cover him. Like, why can't that be toughness? If you don't want to call it toughness, fine, but you know, go win the game and be dominant. That's a mentality thing. Like my best beat your best. Yeah. And Marvin Harrison is, one of the best college football players of this decade. I mean, he's, yeah. yeah, like you said, I mean, again, now if they stopped you a couple of times on 32, throwing to Marv, yeah, sure. On the ball, but. Well, and, and I say that, you know, short yardage hasn't really been a topic of discussion around Ohio State lately. It, it hasn't been an issue. Um, yeah. I think we're going to be in some, some situations um, offensively where we're going to have to convert some short yardage situations or red zone situations. And, um, I don't think we need to try to prove a point. I think we need to try to get our best players the ball because um, I think that's our best shot of converting converting into a first down. Yep. All right. What I want to bring up, and I've brought it up, and Ryan and Coach Vance have gave me some slack, but do we see uh, fired up Ryan Day, Georgia Ryan Day, this Saturday? Yes. Where he is just yelling, screaming. But I think we do. I think, Adam, we, need, if, I think we need to. I we better, but I think we do now given like, you know, everything that's going on off the field and I think I think he's kinda ready to let loose. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, you know, I I would like to see that, but I also don't really care. And one thing that Coach Day talked about after the game, I actually didn't hear him say it, but I heard a couple of the players say it after the Minnesota game was Coach Day said in the locker room, we have to keep our emotions in check this week. And I think that is 100% true because, I mean, just trying to relate it, obviously it's so much different, but just writing it to high school sports, I've been around so many good teams where they want to win, you know, they want it too bad. 
Like they want it so bad that they just grip. And I felt like that was what happened with Ohio State last year. Like they wanted it so bad and then things started going rough and, and then everybody just tightened up and gripped. And I I think that yeah, you wanna be emotional, you wanna play with fire, but you have to you can't do it to a fault, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and that's I mean I mean that's what that Georgia game felt like though. It felt like it was everything was loose. It wasn't tight. I mean yeah. it was just you know, you're not expected to win the, the underdog right. mentality. Ryan day hasn't been an underdog much at his time at Ohio state. Um, this time was Clemson and 20 underdog Ryan. Yeah. That, I, and then, say it, I, I think it ended up in 19 as well as an underdog. It's it, that line wasn't big on either side, but it, it did some movement late. And I want to say by game time, Clemson was actually favored by like a point and a half. Okay. So if you want Sorry. to call that an underdog, that was basically a pick 'em. But twenty was a pick. twenty, they were definitely, I want to say like a six and a half, seven point dog. Twenty and then the Alabama dog. Yeah. The, the Georgia last year dog. And then this year's really it, right? Yeah, probably. So I mean Urban feasted in those type of positions. Yeah, he did. I mean I, but, um, I mean, at a place like Ohio State, in general, you're not going to be the underdog very often. Um, I think that's just a credit to the roster you have. Most yeah. And I don't know. This is just a quick discussion. It don't have to be long. But what does having guys like Brian Hartline and then adding another one, James Laronitis on staff, former players that have a couple pair of gold pants, what like does that do anything to the like the team, the mojo, or like do they get to ha- talk more so this week than normal or what? It might. Um, I don't know if it affects the mojo. I think it's. I think the – how do I want to say this? I think the experience that those guys have is valuable, I guess. That's probably pretty a, pl- a pretty plain answer, but, like, I think having – I think at a place – I think I – because th- I think something that's hurt Ohio State is we don't as, – as, as great as we are – as great as we do recruiting nowadays, we've become so national. I think in this game, not having – not being so Ohio heavy, I think has hurt us a little bit in this game. Um, so I think maybe having more of those guys that played in the game, played in the program now, you know, as coaches on the sideline, I think that, I think that's a benefit. Yeah, absolutely. You betcha. I mean, just to, not to be sour grapes, but I mean, Hartline's been on the staff since what, well, I mean, he's been on the staff five years. Yeah. Well, so that two years. So I don't know if adding Laurinaitis really moves the needle on that, but it definitely doesn't hurt. I no. Would say. Yeah. Yeah. I can see like a mentality thing for the linebacker room. Yeah. For like Laurinaitis, but like you said, Hartline's been there for five years now, and he's put his imprint on the that wide receiver room. So I don't think it'd be his a change of mentality. Now, I mean, the linebackers been playing better. So can you say that bringing James Laurinaitis in hurt? No, but I don't know no. if it helps enough to say that's an advantage for Ohio State. I guess, you know, just what I mean by that, again, is 
you know, Ryan Day's not an Ohio guy. We, Ryan, you yep. alluded to that earlier, and adding former players like that, I mean, in the program helps because let's be frank, Trust and Urban were both Ohio guys. Yep. So, looking for the perfect fall outfits? Look no further. The Vaughn and Co. offers a stunning collection for women, men, and kids. Stay ahead of the fashion game by subscribing to our mailing list and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vaughn & Co. to get all of the exclusive news, deals, and discounts, and product launches. Shop now on our website, www.thevaughnandco.com, before your favorite pieces sell out. Back here on Across the Field. Guys, let's get into some keys of the game and predictions for this Saturday and and everything about that. So, Colby, I'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, Interceptions, hanging on the ball in the pocket, just doing a smart play. Um, Limiting the big plays as well. Um, I think that's clearly what killed us last year. Just big play after big play after big play hurt us. And this year, it's probably our defensive strength where no one's had a big play on us. Um, and then the last one, which it happens in every big game, it comes down to usually this thing, and it's special teams. Um, it, there can't be a block, block punt. There can't be a block field goal. There can't be a long return for us. And we just need to be solid in that, that special team category. I think we win now. I think – are we doing predictions or do we just want those right now? We'll do the keys, then we'll come back. All right. So the, there's my the, key. There's my keys. Kyle McCord, uh, and then big plays and special teams. My my key. What's good next? First thing I think of uh, Brady's keys of the game for the Paul Hing Wayne Trace game was no 15 yard penalties. I mean, we cannot shoot our. We can't give Michigan free first downs. Uh, you know, just from extra pushing and shoving at the end of the whistle, no fighting. Let that happen before the game, you know, in the tunnel, in that crappy tunnel. Uh, Gee, Scott. Yep. <laughs> so, I was so going to say it. I'm glad Brady did. No, no, no celebrating after a pick in the end zone, getting a picture. So, no 15-yard penalties. Kyle McCord, Colby's right, has to take care of the football and win first down. Uh, Brady said it earlier in the podcast, but if you make uh, Michigan, you know, four second and long, third and long, get them in obvious pass situations. JJ McCarthy cannot beat this Ohio State team. I said it last year, and I'll say it again: those pass plays that he had late in the or last year's game were flukes. Um, he is a fraud. So make him throw the ball, make him beat us, because quite frankly, he cannot. So we've talked about Kyle McCord taking care of the ball. Um, and not, you know, not that he has to put the team on his back, but he has to take, he has to be a distributor, um, and, and really take what, what Michigan's defense gives him. I think a large part of how he plays solely is going to rest on the matchup that I talked about earlier, our, our guards and center against their tackles, the interior, um, because I think that's the matchup that's going to determine, are we are we able to run the ball? Are we able to stay ahead of the chains? Win first down, as Brady's talked about. Um, I think that matchup is absolutely the key when Ohio State has the ball. I think because I think that will determine what all we are able Ohio State's able to do on offense. Um, when Michigan has the ball, uh, it, it's 
they can't run the ball on us like they did the last two years. It's so it, it's really it's going to come down to that same area um, when they have the ball. It's it's the interior. It's the it's the trenches. Win the battle in the trenches. They can't have you know four or five yards of pop. We bring everybody up and then they bust a big one. We've got to be able to again win first down. Hold them you know to one or two. Make JJ McCarthy throw the ball. Put the game in his hands um, and then. To, in general, but I think this kind of goes more along with uh, with that last key I just mentioned. Make Michigan play from behind, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking get up seven nothing. I'm not talking, you know, ten to three right before halftime. I'm talking fourteen three, seventeen seven. We have to get into a position where Michigan is not comfortable just taking their time, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. We have to get them into a position where they put the ball in JJ's hands and say, here you go, kid. You got to get us back, back into this, get it within one score. Um, because we've seen what that looks like, not only this year as of, I mean, well, we haven't seen it this year, but we've seen what it looks like, you know, in that TCU game a year ago. Um, I know JJ made some plays in that game, but he also, he also had a lot of bad plays in that game. Um, and they were behind the majority of that game. So I really think the first two drives for Ohio, first two drives are critical for Ohio State. They have got they've got to be as sharp as we've been all year. Um, I think I think we got to score. I think we have to score on both of them. Um, I re- I really think that's a huge advantage for Ohio State if we can get out to a lead where you know Michigan is not able to kind of play their game because if it's tight or Michigan even has the lead that just plays right into their hands it plays right into what they want to do um so for me those are the three keys you guys have hit most of the major ones if I had to pick one key in this game it's the interior offensive line for Ohio State and the running game against Michigan's defensive tackles they're so good if the Buckeyes can't win that battle or at least play even in that battle, I don't think anything else matters. If I had to give one different key, I would say I, I think I'm a little different in, than you guys in the fact that I don't think Ohio State does have much room for error in this game. And so the one thing I'll say with that is I think the Buckeyes have to capitalize on opportunities. So – if they are able to force a turnover, I think you got to get points off of it. If you're able to get a short field, I think you have to get points off of it. If you force Michigan to commit a holding penalty on second and eight and it becomes second and 18, you can't let them pick up 18 yards in those two plays. Just the little things like that that are just momentum killers. Michigan, there were so many of those in last year's game and even the year before. So I think the Buckeyes are going to have to capitalize on every opportunity they get especially early in the game, like Ryan said. Yeah, um, I think the keys you guys all hit. So, but I guess the one concern I had is, well, I've got multiple concerns, but one that we haven't really talked about, I'm not so worried about J.J. in the throw game. I'm worried about can we keep him contained when he decides to tuck it and run and not allow him to pick up a big third or fourth down to keep a drive alive um that's got me a little concerned you know i think we'll do okay with the backs on the run but um as far as jj taking off and creating some offense that's got me a a little bit concerned and that's a good point we haven't talked about it and it's something we haven't really seen a whole lot of 
this year with Ohio State. They haven't really been tested like that, right. other than the one fumble Ruski play that Rutgers ran on us. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. That's just you know against against Penn State, they did drop back to pass there in the second half a couple times, even though they don't like to admit it. And he just took off and ran, and that that's one thing I am concerned about. So, um, let's go ahead and talk score predictions. And Ryan, I'll go ahead and let you start. What do you think the score is on Saturday? Well, so. I'm worried about the red zone, um, specifically coming away with seven. Um, but I think we're, our defense is going to be able to keep things in check for us, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Um, probably not, not really, uh, probably, I'm not really breaking any news here. I think the defenses are, are going to kind of carry the day in this game. I think it's a low-scoring affair. I think, you know, every possession is just going to feel so critical. Um, but I think, you know, what we've talked about the running backs um, and, and some of these games we look back on that are Ohio State victories, it's these long runs, whether it be early or late, that end up, you know, having a huge impact on the game. I think Travion, I think Travion gets one late to uh, seal the deal, um, and I'm talking very late. So I got the Buckeyes went in in a very close one. I'm going to go 23, Ohio State 23, Michigan 19. All right. Colby. Yeah, uh, I think defense is definitely going to take control of it now. Do I think there's going to be a little bit of points? Yeah, but I would say – 26 to 14. Ooh. Buckeyes. Buckeyes. Peyton or Brady? Yeah, I'll go. You know, points are going to get scored. Give me 31-20. Same score as 2017. Wow. Uh, You guys probably should have let me go first. We could get this one out of the way. You guys know I, I try to pick with my head and not with my heart. When I think about this game, the formula for Michigan winning just seems so much simpler than what it is for Ohio State in my eyes. I think Ohio State will have to play really, really solid. Like I said, I don't think there's a lot of room for error. And it seems like when Ohio State loses games in the past, I'm thinking of like the 2021 Michigan game, uh, thinking of Purdue, the Iowa game in there, you know, that we saw loss under Urban's tenure. It seemed like in those games, like, you came away from those losses and it was like there were issues that you kind of saw all year in those games that were just camouflaged. And then that game happened and it was like, Oh yeah, we should have seen this coming all along. And when I look at the Buckeyes, I think about the shaky offensive line play, the red zone offense struggles to get touchdowns. And I know I've been tough on Kyle McCord and I hate just blaming a quarterback. I think it's a terribly lazy take. But when you don't have a quarterback that is able to go out there and win you a football game, I think it makes it really tough. Um, I don't think the Buckeyes are going to be able to keep up. I'll take Michigan 27 to 16. Whoa. Yeah, scouting it like that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Way to set the mood, Brady. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. It's a win-win for Brady. I know. All right. Hear, Brett. Huh? I just said, let's hear it, Brett. I'm going Ohio State, 14, Michigan, 9. My God. 2002? <laughs> 2002. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. That's – I don't think – I mean, yeah, that's on the very low scoring side. I don't think that would – I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, with the way Michigan's run on us the past two years, you don't think that they'll score a touchdown at some point? <sighs> maybe maybe he has a touchdown and a safety. A touchdown and a safety. There you go. Now we're talking. Now I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I just I don't think either offense is going to look real good, and I think this is a grinded out thing. Hope I'm wrong. I, I would. I, would Pey- I thought. Uh, I thought Peyton's score was really high scoring, thirty-one to. So you're you're ham- Pey- PB's hammering the over. I'm hammering Hammer. the over. What is wow. the over under right now? I saw it at forty seven last I looked. I thought oh, that was I'm, high. I'm going way under. I yeah, uh, that's kinda what I thought. Yep. I don't know, guys. I just we it feels like you know, the, those games that you think that it's gonna be a defensive slug fest that turns into an offensive juggernaut. I don't I don't know. I mean that that does happen, so it could it, be it does happen. It does happen. I just wonder if that's harder, if that's more difficult in this game, I just because I could see both teams coming out and as jacked as they're going to be, I can see some sloppiness and I and I can see a little tightness too. Yeah, right. So just, the press my thing is my thing is Peyton. How many times have we scored thirty points this year? We've done it on some lousy defenses, like twice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, this one's this one's pretty good. That's my only fear. I just a couple more concerns that that I want to share because I don't think we talked about them enough. Number one for me is special teams. The Ohio State special teams has been average at best. Like I can't point to one time this year when Ohio State in any phase of special teams made a like a good play that stands out to me. I can't think of one. In, in, in 11 games, really. That's concerning for me. And also, like, Colby was there. But in 2021, I remember watching that game down here in my basement. And, like, when they were showing the crowd and the atmosphere and the environment at that game, it was just kind of like, ooh, like, like oh, yeah. that's unsettling. Like, that's a tough place to go get a win. And I feel like the environment, it's not going to snow – the weather's going to be better, but it's going to be that kind of environment again this week. It is. It really is. And it's, a, it's a tough place to play. They're, their fans are loud. They're into it. It's It'll be an environment for, for the ages. But last year at the Ohio State, it was a pretty good environment, too, and they came and kicked the chair out of us. So maybe we just flip that script. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. And I, I, I hate being the negative guy. I do think Ohio State has a legit chance to win this game. I really do. I I don't know. I think if they played 10 times with these two teams in Ann Arbor, I think Michigan would win six, six or seven. 
Oh, boy. But you only got to beat them once. Got to beat them one day. Okay, yeah. we're we're the we're the dog in this fight this year. So you know what? It's you got that chip, and when you you never know, it's college football. I just I just think that stadium gets awfully quiet when they're down. Oh yeah, that that sure. stadium gets awfully quiet when you know. I'd That's, hate to be I'd hate to be there this year, win or loss, because. Well, it's a no-win situation for you, a fan, if you're going. Nope, not at all. But if you're a Buckeye fan, you want to go, go. I might go. Oh, boy. I might put the box, just bring some boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if there's any Michigan fans listening to this, you better hope that I'm right, and you better hope Michigan wins, because if not, going to come crashing down and it will have been a nice two-year run for you two and a half year run i think it's safe to say there probably aren't going to be too many michigan fans still listening at this point probably not <laughs> they should have they could have waited to hear brady <laughs> i'll tell them to stay tuned all right any closing thoughts guys should be a good week best week of the year fellas but yes, yes. Best week of the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy it. Um, and, and thanks for thanks for having us on again. This is this is yep. another fun one. This is this is always, always fun, fun. fun with you guys, but especially talk about this game. Yep. I, I don't know how you guys are like during the week of the Michigan game, but it happens to me every year. Like it's always a roller coaster. There's always a couple of days where I feel like the Buckeyes are going to win, and then there's other days where I feel like there's no way and and like it's just up and down constantly for the six seven days whatever it is and, and i'm has, sure i'll have those ups and downs this week too has, is it like that for you every year is it just here of reason every year every year every year, every year. i agree with that 100 percent. really yep yeah because there's even, a, even there's, there's, Ohio there's, there's well there's a time that like i was just didn't really get up for it because i thought there's no way we're losing yeah, like, but even in those even in those years, like on Thursday, Friday night, you could talk yourself into thinking that Ohio State would lose. At least I could. I I remember 2013, you know, vividly. I mean, I I remember telling my uncle John, he's a Michigan fan. On Thanksgiving, it's going to be a dog fight. He goes, "No, we suck," and phew, it was a dog fight. They weren't very good that year either. What do you think, Ryan? I'm kind of more along the lines of Brady. I do kind of go back and forth. There's days where I kind of look at our ceiling, so to speak, feel like, if, boy, if we just get there, we're going to be fine. Then there's days where I remember what our floor is and I'm like, oh, well, this, might not, this, this could go bad. But again, that's why I compare it to the, the Alabama game because there was, I had the same mixed emotions going into that game. I, I thought, Boy, I don't know if we can be stopped right now, but I also thought we got a third-string quarterback playing the best team in the country. This could go really bad, and so I get what he's saying with the with the roller coaster of emotions going back and forth. And usually, usually, whatever I start to feel towards game time is I don't want to say all the is right all the time, but it's usually fairly accurate. I will say that I thought. I thought we could handle them last year and mm-hmm. turns out I was wrong, but the, I, I did kind of have an odd feeling that like Brady said, you see their crowd, the snow falling down. Uh, 
I didn't, I still didn't think we were going to lose at the time. It was like, this could be, they could, they might give us all we can handle today. So, um, and Peyton mentions that the 2013 game and my main worry there was just being, being undefeated already knowing we were going to the big 10 championship game the next day, them having nothing to lose. So I definitely get what he's saying. I, I don't know if I've ever went to or ever went into the game being, you know, Oh yeah, we got this. We're good. I mean, maybe when they've been really bad, but not for a long time. Boy. I think so. 2012 was like that for me, Urban's first year when we were trying to cap off an undefeated season. I didn't think there was any way we were going to get beat that day. Obviously, we didn't. Uh, you know, I just think being Urban's first game and that being basically our Super Bowl, I just – and Michigan was good, was okay. They weren't great that year. Eight and four, nine and three team. I just did not see any way we were going to lose that game. That one – it's kind of an outlier. That one at 14, they were bad. I didn't think we we're going to lo- – I didn't see a possible way to lose that one either. But some of the – most of the other ones I, c- I could go back and forth on. My my favorite part about this week, fellas, is going back and re-watching the old TV copies. Like today I watched the 05 game. I mean, just – that's one of my favorite parts of the week, the classics. You should watch the 02 game. No, no, that's a classic. O two game. O two game was nuts. The crowd. The cr- ever noticed the crowd goes berserk anytime there's about to be a forward pass in that game. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Anytime, yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. Krenzel completes a pass, <laughs> everybody's everybody's on their feet. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've kind of went back to that this year. Yeah. 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 A little bit. I don't care. If it, if it works and, and we can win that way on Saturday, I don't care. Yeah, I'm down. I'm with you. I hope to God not. I hope we don't play that kind of football. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if that's it, we'll wrap it up. And it was great sure. talking to you guys. And thanks yep. a lot for coming on. Yep. Have a good Thanksgiving, guys. Yeah, yeah you too. You too. All right, you've listened to another episode of Across the Field. Peace out, players. Go Bucks. When the last glow drifts away from the big house at Michigan, it's a good time to have a seat and listen. Here, Yost, Kipke, Wessler. And in your mind's eye, see the lads who wore the colors. Harmon, who played both ways all the way to a Heisman Trophy and got a standing ovation once at the Horseshoe. And Archie Griffin, the double Heisman man from Ohio State, who had his moments. So many to remember. Players and coaches. But there are two coaches who had a special place in this history. Woody and Bo, the salt and pepper of the series. Giants in their profession, their histronics, legendary. And they could win. This is a remarkable festival annually, whether here or at the Horseshoe. There are the great bands, fight that team across the field. Show them Ohio's here. Hail to the victors, valiant. Hail to the conquering heroes. 5-20 and counting, fourth quarter. Ohio State will bring the big bodies out of the huddle. Brandon Schnicker, and we've got Maurice Hall in the eye. Tight end, Hartsock wing to the left. Now Schnicker will motion to the left and reset in an offset eye. 
Hartsock motions to the right, reverses to the left. Krenzel with the ball, option, pitch, Hall, right side, five-yard line, touchdown, Maurice Hall. Bring back the option, and Ohio State scores it in the right corner of the end zone. And Maurice Hall, who scored in overtime last week, gives the Buckeyes their second touchdown of the day and their first lead in a while over Michigan, 13-9. So here it is, third and 10 Michigan from the Ohio State 24 with a second to play. Buckeyes up 14-9. And the crowd bringing it all. Navar in a shotgun. Yvonne and Edwards wide left. Two receivers wide right. Bellamy and Butler ask you in the backfield. And the bar on the final play of the game to throw from the 32. Throws into the end zone. Intercepted. Intercepted at the five-yard line. And the Buckeyes are headed to the desert. As Ohio State gets an interception on the final play of the game to beat Michigan. Ginn is now over there in a short slot with Gonzalez outside of him. From the shotgun. Smith in the protective pocket. Could not find a receiver. Now goes downfield. Gonzalez got it. Touchdown. Buckeyes strike. Anthony Gonzalez coming off his first start a week ago. 68 yards. And the offensive line did a superb job of giving Smith just enough time to get the ball off. Has ended with a punt. He thought Holmes was going to step over. Then he makes the catch on it. Again, swings free. Look out now. Can Finley get an angle? Down the sideline. Forget about it. This baby's over this race. That's 82 yards on the return. Here's third down and four. Smith. Touchdown, Holmes! What a beautiful delivery by Troy Smith, who was going to throw, pumped it, and then caught a cut by Santonio. And there's your victory formation, and the celebration can begin. The Ohio State Buckeyes upset the Michigan Wolverines 37-21. Trailing it by nine. Ginn is off to his right. Crable standing up. Middle. Holmes has got a touchdown, Buckeyes. First down and 10. The offensive line has done a great job. Smith dances away from trouble. On the run. Caught by Gonzalez. Inside the five-yard line. Gonzalez may have made the biggest catch of the year for the Buckeyes. 26 yards. And Anthony Gonzalez does it. There's Pittman. Banging touchdown. But there's 24 seconds up on the clock. The Buckeye sideline explodes. And a spinning move. Breaking free. Headed for the end zone. Chris Wells. 52 yards. With White leading the way. Breaking free again. Touchdown, Ohio State. This time, it's Antonio Pittman. The first half belonged to Chris Wells. JT Barrett gets the snap out of the shotgun. Barrett looking, shoulder shaking. Barrett takes off running. 25, gets to the Michigan 20, middle of the field. 15, 10, 5, touchdown, JT Barrett. 25 yards.
yard touchdown run for Barrett. Barrett in the shotgun, gets the snap. Barrett takes off running, coming wide to the left. Barrett is going to take it into the end zone for his second rushing touchdown today. A three-yard carry, his 11th rushing touchdown of the year. Fourth and one for the Michigan 44. Cardale Jones gets the snap. Jones hands it. Elliott goes all the way to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. Touchdown! Ezekiel Elliott on a 44-yard run. Devin Gardner in the shotgun. He's going to fling it again. Pressure coming. Garb. And now Joey Bosa knocks him down. The football's loose. Darren Lee's got it. Running up the left side to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Darren Lee, as Bosa knocked the ball away. Shotgun formation, Barrett gets the snap, gives it to Elliott, who shoots straight ahead and waltzes into the end zone. Ezekiel Elliott on a five-yard touchdown run, his 18th rushing TD of the season. He requested, and he got it. First and 10, Buckeyes of the Wolverine, 25. Barrett, back to throw, looking, tosses, right corner of the end zone for Jalen Marshall, catches while being molested, comes down with a ball for the score. Jalen Marshall with a defender, draped all over him. Delano Hill, but a 25-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Marshall who catches it under duress and Ohio State's lead grows to 20-10. to 10. JT Barrett in a shotgun all by himself. Now motioning behind him is one of his setbacks, but Barrett's going to run it himself straight ahead to the 10. Right angle to the 5. Dives and gets to the end zone. JT Barrett on a 13-yard touchdown run. His second rushing touchdown of the afternoon and it's 27-10 Ohio State. Barrett in a shotgun. Elliott to his left. Barrett gets the quick snap. Feeds it Elliott, who shoots straight ahead and pushes it into the end zone. Ezekiel Elliott on a nine-yard touchdown run. And with just under 13 minutes to play in the fourth quarter, the lead has grown to 34-13 for Ohio State. Second and 10, Michigan. Ball at their own 48. Spate back to pass. Throws a pass. It's a Joey! Play. It grabbed by Joey Bosa, who runs down the left side. Bosa to the 15, to the 10, and the quarterback Spate takes him down at the 10. And Joey Bosa reached in the air, slapped at the football, and grabbed it and ran it down inside the red zone. First down, Ohio State with the ball at the Michigan side of the field. One knee by Barrett, and that's it. Another pair of gold pants coming to this group of Ohio State football players as the Buckeyes defeat Michigan 42-13. to First and ten, Wolverines of their own six. And in the end zone is Spate looking to throw. Fires it up the middle. Intercepted. It's picked off and running it down Hooker. the right side. And into the end zone is Malik Hooker. His third touchdown of the year, Malik Hooker. Ohio State's seventh pick six of the season. And the Buckeyes get the first touchdown of the game on defense. Barrett quickly gets the offense set. He's in a shotgun. Weber to his left. Snap to Barrett. Hands it Weber. Leaps and lands in the end zone. Mike Weber, the native Michigander, gives the Ohio State a touchdown. Off of an interception by Jerome Baker, the Buckeyes are a little closer. They trail 17-13 to Michigan. Liam McCullough, the long snapper. Cameron Johnston is the holder. And Tyler Durbin out to try a 24-yard field goal that will tie the game. Here's his kick. It's in the air, and he nails it. Tyler Durbin to tie the game with one second to play. Snap to JT Barrett. Fakes a pass, runs it straight ahead, untouched into the end zone. JT Barrett, seven-yard touchdown run to give Ohio State a lead here in overtime. Samuel in the backfield with Barrett, who feeds it to Samuel. Sweeping left side, 10-5. Touchdown, Curtis Samuel. And the Buckeyes win it in overtime. A game that they trailed by 10 points. Double overtime. Curtis Samuel sweeps around the left side for the touchdown run to give Ohio State a 30-27 victory.
First and 10, Ohio State at their 25. Barrett gets the snap, fakes the handoff. Barrett looks, throws middle of the field. Wide open ball, 10-5 touchdown. Marcus Ball on a 25-yard pass play from J.T. Barrett, who sucked the defense in with his fakes. And Ohio State within one of tying the game. They trail 14-13. So first and goal, Ohio State to the Michigan one. Benjamin Victor wide to the right. Johnny Dixon wide to the left. Campbell smotions from left to right. Dwayne Haskins gets the snap. Feeds Dobbins. Dobbins into the end zone for the Ohio State touchdown. J.K. Dobbins on a one-yard touchdown run. First and 10, Michigan at their 27. McCorn with a snap, fakes the handoff, gets back at his 18 to pass, throws long, down the middle of the field, and it's intercepted by Jordan Fuller of Ohio State at his own 40. Go down. Fuller will run to the 45-yard line, get to the 50, and forced out of bounds by Donovan Peoples-Jones. Second and four, Ohio State to the Michigan 25. Dwayne Haskins in the shotgun. He's got Weber in the backfield with him. Mike Weber gets the give. Weber moving laterally to the right side to the 20, to the 15, to the Michigan 10, to the 5, and into the end zone goes Mike Weber on a 25-yard touchdown run, throwing six more up on the board for Ohio State, who leads at 30-20. to 20. McLaurin, Olave, and Campbell wide to the right. Dwayne Haskins in the shotgun. Back to pass. Sets at the Michigan 30. Tosses on a right angle for Olave, and he's got it in the end zone for another score as he weaved inside of a defender. A 24-yarder again. Dwayne Haskins to Chris Olave. 13-6 Ohio State. Ball placed at the 31 of Michigan. Snap to Dwayne Haskins. He's going to roll to his left to throw from the Michigan 40. Franks and Myers, middle of the field, end zone, wide open, Dixon. Touchdown, Johnny Dixon, 31 yards. Dwayne Haskins to Johnny Dixon, and Ohio State through the air has attacked Michigan to take a 20-6 lead. Snap goes back shoulder high to hard pressure, coming, punt blocked. It's fluttering around and it's picked up and grabbed and running down the left sideline and into the end zone for an Ohio State touchdown as the Buckeyes' Jalen Harris comes up with a football on a block punt, and the Buckeyes get their defense and special teams to put them in this position to take a 33-19 lead. More quarterback Dwayne Haskins in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Haskins fly sweep. Paris Campbell right side. 25. Campbell 30. 35 to his own 40. Down the left sideline to the Michigan 40. Campbell to the 30. Campbell to the 10, and he takes it to the house. Paris Campbell on a fly sweep going 78 yards. Came from left to right and ran it all the way to the north end of the stadium. And just like that, it's 47-25 Ohio State. Haskins in the shotgun. Gets the snap from Michael Jordan. Back to pass. Haskins looks, fires. Got right it. corner of the end zone. Campbell's got it for the touchdown. Paris Campbell on a 16-yard touchdown pass from Dwayne Haskins. Five-yard line. Snap to Fields out of the gun. Hands Dobbins. Coming to the left side, and he'll skate into the end zone for the touchdown. J.K. Dobbins, five-yard touchdown run. Quarterback Justin Fields in the shotgun. Olave motioning from left to right, leaving two others on the left. Snap to Fields. Back to throw from his 35. Fields steps up, looks, and he fires long. Down the right side for Olave. Got it at the five, and into the end zone goes Olave for a long touchdown from Justin Fields. 57 yards in length, and Ohio State's Chris Olave continues to burn Michigan. Justin Fields in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Hands to Dobbins. Tries to get around the right corner. Gets to the five and bulldozes his way into the end zone for a six-yard touchdown run. J.K. Dobbins adding six more to Ohio State's cushion. Patterson 
Anderson gets the snap, fumbles it. Ball on the ground. Scramble for it. Still loose. P.B. Landers has come up with it for Ohio State. Yes, Defensive lineman Robert Landers falls on it around the 15-yard line, and the Buckeyes get a turnover off a Shea Patterson fumbled snap. Ohio State first and goal to the Michigan 5. Fields gets the snap. Hands Dobbins running left side, and he knifes into the end zone. Five-yard touchdown run for J.K. Dobbins. His third TD of the first half, and it's 27-13 Ohio State. Third and goal. Ohio State of the Michigan 6. Fields gets the snap. Back to pass from the 13. Fires into the end zone, and it's caught by K.J. Hill for a touchdown. Six-yard touchdown pass to senior K.J. Hill. Keeps his cat streak going, and Ohio State adds six more points to their lead. Fields in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Looks to throw. Looking left. Looking left. Running left. Still holding the ball as if to throw. Cranks and fires toward the end zone. Wilson's goal for a touchdown. Garrett Wilson, the Buckeye freshman receiver underneath the pass from Justin Fields just back in off of injury a 30 yard touchdown pass and Ohio State is up their lead to 41 16 over Michigan. Fields gets the snap, hands it to Dobbins, running right side to the Michigan 25, Dobbins to the 20 to the 15, to the 10 Number and Dobbins five. leaps for the end zone yes. touchdown J.K. Dobbins on a 33 yard run he continues to make Michigan his personal play thing and it is 55-26 Ohio State.